what is up, sweaty summer strangers? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. That was like totally spur of the moment. I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, welcome. <coughs> yeah, we're off to a good start today. Welcome to the Strange Sessions. As always, it's I'm Kurt. Dumpster fire. It is a dumpster fire right off the bat. This does not bode well for today. Oh, <laughs> Welcome great. to the Strange Sessions. As always, I am Kurt, and I am joined by my benevolent co-host, Krista. <laughs> benevolent. I'll take it. Okay. What's up? Nothing. <laughs> Just confusion. Yeah. Mass confusion it's been today. A weird morning. It's, yeah, it's been like neither of us are on our... I it, neither of us yeah. are in top form this morning. Which is great. I had like a headache coming in and it's pounding. I took aspirin just now. Mm. So Like right now? I, in my bag. Oh. I have it in my bag. Okay. I hope that was aspirin. I just took two pills, so I don't know. It wasn't what... like Benadryl, was it? <laughs> I, I don't know. Benadryl. <laughs> You're correct, like glazed correct over. Correct all laxatives. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> there's no bathroom down here. <laughs> well, there's going to be when I have to go. <laughs> Goodness. Might edit all this out. Who knows? No, leave it in. Okay. Um, <laughs> before we forget, yeah, you, you actually remember right off the bat. Before we got to the taste test, I feel like we sound drunk today, but we're not. No, not at all. Um, maybe we should be. Uh, <laughs> maybe we should. <laughs> it be. might improve things. So, if you don't want to sit through this first twenty minutes called the titillating twenty, where we do housekeeping and welcome welcome new strangers and do a taste test, just hit the pause button, check your show notes. Kurt is going to post the timestamp for when the actual topic starts. So, wanted to get that out of the way. Yep. Also want to mention our website is down. Has been for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Did not know that. But if it's any consolation, I'm sure none of you have even ever visited our website. There might be maybe two people who go there to listen to the podcast. There's nothing there except the episodes. We don't, there's no blog. We don't post photos. Like there's nothing interesting on our website. It's literally just a vessel for the RSS feed. So it's and not working. That's still working. Apparently, we'll find out tomorrow. Well, you we were able to this. post last yeah. week, so yeah. and you said you got the same message the last week. I think so. it's the government trying to silence us. Oh, for sure. We're getting too close to the truth. <laughs> what was our last episode? Strange states. Colorado. <laughs> Maybe Colorado's behind it. it probably. Totally. <laughs> Shady Coloradoans. Co- Co- Coloradoans. Coloradoans. I don't Coloradoans. Know. I think. Sure. See, we sound drunk. It's the ghost of John Denver <laughs> coming to haunt us. Oh, I like that you texted me that dude. We were somewhere and it was playing Rocky Mountain High. Oh, I was at work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rocky, Rocky Mountain It was High. like the day after, too. Yep. yep. Um, before we forget, we got big news. God, what is it? You know what it is. Oh, tell me. <laughs> well, in our looking ahead at our schedule, which well, yeah, is that. all changed around God. now. We just talked about this. Um. Our next episode will be two weeks from now. It'll be a normal episode. Yep. And then we are taking our summer hiatus. We're never coming back. No. It's, it's Krista's, like three it's Krista's birthday in that span yeah. of weeks. Mm-hmm. So we're taking our summer hiatus where we usually do not release an episode. And people are generally not happy about that. So what we're doing is the week that we weren't going to release an episode is that's when we're going to release our first side sessions episode so you can see what it's like yep that is going to be the non-paranormal whatever we feel like researching topic that is going to be for monthly subscribers and we're still kind of working on like how many are going to go out how we're going to do this yeah because it depends on when Kofi or coffee I think it's coffee i think it's coffee I think I've been but i always call it, it Kofi whenever yep. they get their monthly subscription thing well we already have a monthly subscription thing but they're going to come out with what's like called tiers. memberships yeah. so that yeah. we could have like three like three levels of uh, monthly subscribers and 
I think the top would be like ten bucks or yeah. something. But if you're ten bucks, you get the most content. If you're ten bucks, you get to crash at one of our houses for <laughs> a weekend. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're going to. We already re- recorded one side session. That's the one we're going to release later this month. I mm-hmm. thought it was a decent episode. It's yeah. nothing paranormal, but it's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So that's going to go on the last week of August, yes. our last recording week of August. Mm-hmm. And then that means after that is our 100th episode. Crazy. We made Crazy. it through, we made it through 100 episodes. Is somebody carefully counted all the episodes? I pretty make... carefully okay, counted good. them. I don't remember I We're not counting it's not the gonna side sessions. It's not going to be exact because I don't think I counted the podcast festival yeah, or the side sessions, nope, but it's I right wouldn't. around there. So what the heck? We're going to say 100. <laughs> so that episode is going to be released September 12th. Yes. And it's a while away, but what we're going to do for that one is we are going to be hitting you guys up for emails, voicemails, just stuff about the podcast, like like what you like about it, what you don't like about it. We're going to play it. That's going to be like a super conversational. Mm-hmm. It's We're just going to look back over recording, and it's just basically going to be Krista and I talking. We're going to be playing voicemails we get from you guys. We're going to be reading emails we get from you guys, because 100 episodes is kind of a big thing. It's a big thing. I remember our 50th episode. I do. So well, we'll hit you episode. up later in the month for that stuff, but yeah. that is the game plan going forward. Sweet. Yeah. 100 episodes. Who'd have thunk it? Not me. No, not me Jeez. either. You know, run out of topics by Jeez. 110, 112 episodes. I don't know. We have how many states left to do? I think oh, yes. we'll be okay. <laughs> That's right. Good point. So yeah, we and of... we, we are going to record another side sessions right after this. Yes. Yep. yep. But I was going to say, when we run out of United States episodes, we could just start moving on to other countries. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. I'm not worried. I'm not really worried about it. He is a little worried. I'm a little worried about <laughs> it, but we'll see. <laughs> so anyway, that's pretty much what I got. Okay. Yeah, I have nothing. Uh, so we'll jump right into shout outs. Those are our new strangers. So thank you guys so much for joining our strangers Facebook group. And that is Phyllis Beasley Ekoff, Christina Bailey, Nicole Setterquist, uh, my friend Penny B. Olick. She, is this Jim Alex? No, okay. Bialik is my friend Tom that was home last week from Arizona. Oh, okay. And I, I drank way. I was at his house all day Friday, all day Saturday. Ooh, day drinking. Brit, oh, I'm a day drinker. I love day <laughs> drinking. I'm not a night drinker. I, I'm, a, so I'm the same way. I yeah. don't drink much at all, but when I do, no. I prefer to do it during the day. Yeah. Like, I, I think I said the story on here that I went, last time he was home 10 years ago, I went to a party at his house. And then because I left early, of course. I was coming over the next morning for breakfast, and he lives right down the street from the factory I worked at, and I took off that day. So then I get a text message from one of my friends that was going into work at 6 in the morning, and he texts me. He's like, did I just see you drinking a beer in somebody's front lawn at 6 <laughs> o'clock in the morning? And I'm like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> so, But he was home last week, so he had a big party at his house and stuff, and Penny is his brother's wife okay and she listens to the podcast and tom's daughter kendra is into the paranormal and stuff so she just subscribed to it she's not on facebook so she's gonna listen to it so penny and kendra love you guys and donnie hall so thank you guys so much for joining and listening i do have something so do you what were we talking about um Oh, it was on Facebook. So somebody had posted a link to, I shared this with you already. Somebody had posted a link to the Confessionals podcast on oh, Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a good podcast. I've listened to it before. Um, and a few people were like, yeah, I love that show, whatever. And I said, hey, I commented saying, hey, you guys know that one of our strangers was a guest on that show. 
and um i think Brittany bdz was like oh i would love to listen to it what episode mm-hmm. so i looked it up it's called the the roof walker mm-hmm. episode it's like i've only listened to a few episodes of that show but that one has always stuck with me because yeah. it really it's like it's a crazy episode um and so i shared that episode with her and not knowing that this person casey her name is hasn't been on facebook for a long time she left facebook so she wouldn't have even seen that like two days later she reached out to me on instagram saying that she's back and that she's been out for a medical issue (laughs) and that she's getting caught up again and she's so excited to be listening to the show again and blah 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 she's gonna order a mug or a t-shirt it's a t-shirt yeah thank you casey but i thought what a weird synchronicity that is a weird synchronicity she wouldn't have even seen that we were talking about her episode because she's not on facebook anymore and for her to just out of the blue reach out to me like that is just crazy so casey welcome back welcome back happy to have you back I've had a ton of 11-11s lately. Oh, really? Like a crazy amount. Yeah. I've still only seen it the one oh, time. Well, okay. <laughs> we got something in an envelope from my... What would she be if she is my cousin's daughter? Your cousin? Yeah. A distant cousin. Like from my distant cousin, Cora? Yeah. Cora, thank you so much. Cora sent us something, so Krista's Ooh. going to open that. Okay. Fun. I can probably just do this with my hands. That's an envelope. The... I don't think we need the ceremonial no. strain sessions. That would just be like... Overkill. Yeah dramatic okay oh okay there are a couple things in here oh cute it's a sticker that's a cute sticker it's a big foot i like that sticker it's really cute i like the mountains and I it's got too. like constellations and stuff i love that cora oh, thank that's you really cool that is so cute okay there's a letter oh cora i owe you a big hug when i see you oh and she wrote <laughs> us a so letter cute. okay cora i love you it says dear kurt and krista hello i just wanted to let you two know that i love what you two do i know that everyone says this but it is so true you guys really help when i don't feel like doing something or are just scared of the future oh, oh my god cora. my heart was so happy when i found the sticker from cora thank you so much that's cora. so sweet i love it yeah I don't know if you want to look at it up. I, I got to take I, a picture of it, too. I love, like, the stars. The constellations are what I love in there. Yeah, that's really cool. And the mountains. Cora, you are awesome, and we love you. Thank you so going much. going on the whiteboard. Yes, thank yes, you so much. Yes, it is going much. on our board with all of our other stuff. I'll take a picture. Thank you so much, hon. Um, taste test Taste time? test. So now we got to do some rearranging. Oh, yeah. Because we're going to take a video. Okay. We will be back in one second. <laughs> well, our unedited people will. Yeah. I'm calling them our unedited people. They're not unedited. Do we're we want unedited. one thing from each. Do we want a Mexican candy and a Norwegian candy? Sure. Okay. Okay, we're back. We are back. <laughs> it's so weird having a camera it on is, us. It's weird. Okay. <clears throat> you ready? I am ready. First one is out of the Mexican candy box from Dominique. Don't know what it is. Rip it in half. It looks like some kind of... It looks like a... I'm guessing a chocolatey... I hope it's chocolatey. I'm going to take a picture. I hope there's no sauce we have to put on it like last time. (laughs) Yeesh. So sophisticated. I'm thinking... Like, what are those Charleston chews? It looks like a skinny Charleston chew that we rip. I like Charleston chews. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, Kurt doesn't like Charleston chews. Uh, It's called Pulparindo. With real fruit. Oh. I'm guessing it's not going to be chocolate. I'm guessing it looks like a squished. <laughs> yeah. Like a it's squished. like taffy. Yeah. I think it's going to be like See, a taffy. See, I was thinking like a, a one of those f- fruit bars. Oh, weird. That is weird. Oh, it, it's like a, it does look like a thick fruit roll-up or something. <laughs> looks, you know what I'm saying? That's exactly what it looks like. Tear it in half. Okay. Oh, 
it does not smell how I thought it was going to smell. What does it smell sticky. like? Um, like a Fig Newton. Oh, oh, my hands are all sticky now. <laughs> Hold on, I got to take a picture. Totally, of it. it smells like the inside of a Fig Newton. Which I like. I like Fig Newtons. Hold on, let me get a picture. Weird. Okay, are you ready? I think so. Let's do it. It's got like a weirdness to it. It's super gritty. This is weird. I mean, it does not taste like a Fig Newton at all. Oh, oh. It's, it's burning my mouth. It's got. It's like spicy. Or is that just me? It's really sour. Oh, I oh. just hit my face on the No, microphone. but it's spicy. Like, my tongue is burning. I don't think it's... Oh, I do think it, now it's hitting me. Oh. oh, it is spicy. Oh, my God. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. Oh, my God. It's like sour and it's spicy. It's really spicy. Holy cow. Are all the Mexican ones going to be spicy? I don't know. Oh. oh. Now my hands are all sticky. Oh, good. We have paper towels. Mm. Yeah, my throat is burning. Ugh. My eyes are watering a little. <laughs> oh, my God. Why would you even do that to yourself? I don't know. Uh, oh. It was like a, a fruit roll-up on steroids. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a mixture of a fruit roll-up, the inside of a Fig Newton, and something like spicy that shouldn't be. Right. It smelled uh, like a Fig Newton, but it tastes like a spicy fig uh, fruit roll-up. Okay, that was weird. No. What do you give that out um, of 10? I'm giving it like a three. I'll give it a one because like the... It was good. It has like a tomatoey flavor to it. Yeah, too. there's That's there's weird. a lot of weirdness going on in there. Okay. I'm giving it a one because it wasn't the worst thing we've ever had, and it did taste good for like a second or it two in my mouth. It wasn't fish flavored. It wasn't fish flavored. That looks like dog food. I have no idea. It's called dunder salt. <laughs> dunder salt. <laughs> dunder salt. It looks like an onion on the front. Translated thunder salt. Well, that's pretty. Uh, an onion. I don't care what it like. I it's like this. a person. He's got feet. Oh. It's almost like a Bigfoot. It's like a... He's got big feet. Cool cryptid. It looks like a walking cob of corn. It kind of does. Corn. Like the chubacabra corn. <laughs> Chubacorn on the cabra. corn on the cabra. <laughs> that was wow, one of my favorite that things. thing will now leave my mouth. <clears throat> Dunder salt. Did you read the, ins- the no. instructions? Oh, my God. I am off today. Yeah, we're both off today, so sorry if this episode is, sub- <laughs> <laughs> this episode is subpar. The instructions are going to be something like, eat. <laughs> I'm thrown off even more now by what we just ate because there's... Well, sh- this should be safe for you because she said she was like taping together the stuff that wasn't... At this point, I don't care. It can't be worse. Oh, weird. It smells weird. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> there's one that's really dark. That yeah. one's probably got more dunder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want oh, that I one. I forgot to put Willie on my microphone. Oh, we ready? Well. Hold on, I gotta take a picture. It could okay. be, it could be root, root beer barrels. It could be. This is. It's got a weird texture. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you ready? Ready. Oh. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Terrible. Oh no, I can't eat that. What is oh. it? Give it. Oh, I need that. Horrible. I need that. I can't even. It... Oh, that's horrible. Why would anyone eat that? <laughs> oh dear God, what is that? It's like a. It's like a. That a, should be illegal. It's like a salt pellet for a water softener, but there's like a weird. Oh. What on God? <laughs> what what is that? I don't know. Oh, horrible. That's what it is. It's there's like horrible. there's like no good flavor in there. No. 
Is this like is, are we supposed joke to eat this? candy? Right? Is this for like putting in your toilet to clean out the... It's <laughs> like a thing you put in the back of the toilet tank. Oh my God. Oh, we got skunked on both rather, of these today. Can I eat like a pickle candy to get that taste out of my mouth? Oh, I don't even know what to say about that. I'd I don't rather think we were eat supposed to eat that. Well, it's... I mean, oh. it's got nutritional content on the back, so I feel like it's probably edible, but I don't know why anyone in their right mind would eat that. What in that God's was name is this? This was this gross. Was, That's what it is. This was one of the worst things. I this would might rather be eat the fish. worst thing we've ever eaten. I would rather eat fish jerky. I have not spit anything out yet. I no, think that I could never not spit eat. anything out. And this is that was horrible. We got to save this now because people that come on the show are going to want to try this. Yeah, let's put those back in there. Oh, we're glad I didn't eat that dark one Ugh. with the extra dunder. That was horrible. That was the there worst was like, thing we've ever eaten. It tasted like something that I can't describe, but it wasn't good. No, not good at all. No, I'm actually thankful I still have some of this in my teeth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I might oh. need that spiciness just to get rid of this taste in my oh, mouth. That was horrible. What the hell is I'm giving this? it a negative 1,000. Yeah, I'm giving this. I'm not even, I'm, I'm even going to discuss this one anymore. It's, Beef, it I thought you loved us. So much. I thought she loved us. <laughs> We still love you. I think she. I think uh, she did this. Like we were getting everything was like super Delicious. good that we were getting from the Norway stuff. So, oh, I gotta look this up on my phone when I get yeah. back over there. Bleh. Seal that back up because people are gonna want to try that. Just Corey's gonna want to try that just to see how bad it is. And it is. It's bad. It is the worst. It's thing. It's like real bad. It's the worst thing that we've eaten on this Seal show. Seal it up. It should be buried somewhere. I <laughs> put <laughs> this rubber band around it. That was horrible. Oh my god. I can't. Ugh. I mean, I, the little guy on the package is adorable. He looks like oh, some form of Bigfoot. I'd but eat that package. This is like Bigfoot repellent. I don't know what you would do with <laughs> Bigfoot this. Scat. <laughs> really salty, salty Bigfoot scat. Okay, should I? Wow. Okay, hopefully that works. Hello. Okay, I'm on. Jesus. Yeah, that was bad. That was real bad. <sighs> I can't even. I feel like we weren't supposed to eat that. Oh, dear God. I'm traumatized a little bit. Are we recording again? A little bit. Tra yeah, we never stopped. Ugh. I, I, Is there like chocolate or something? I got gum. I, I have gum. I'm not going to chew it while we record, but I just need to get I that taste. I have to chew it. I got to get... I'll swallow it right away. Oh, you swallow your gum? I always swallow I my gum. I used to do that as a kid, but... Oh boy, I can't even get gum out of it. Oh, I want to oh, look that up. Dunder salt. It's probably rat poison or something. Not that she would do that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think we'll have to put. <laughs> what? What does it say? I'm looking at. I, I'm looking at it on eBay, and like the, the description, the first words in the description was "Dunder salt tastes like salty poison." <laughs> Accurate. Are we supposed to eat this? Oh my god! Well, we didn't, so. The well, ingredients people... the ingredients in this unforgettable candy are sugar, glucose syrup, licorice, ammonium chloride, and color E-153. What's ammonium? Oh, that's salt, right? Ammonium Sodium chloride, chloride I thought was salt. Oh. I just feel like that was not meant to be consumed by humans. <laughs> I'm looking at some reviews. I'm looking at some of these reviews about it. Um, I'm looking at some of these reviews about it, and this one says... The one good thing about Dunder Salt is that no other licorice candy tastes as bad after you try this. <laughs> oh. Okay, I have to remember to take this upstairs and throw it out 
this is what I say. Dundersalt review. The evil Dundersalt troll on the package invites you to enter the door between his legs. These Norwegian Ooh. sweets were really the most horrible things I've ever tasted. <laughs> so. This is what I say to that. Uh, it was horrible. Okay. Well, I finally got the taste out of my mouth, though, so I'm going to That was one. just god-awful. Okay. <laughs> that gum was like the greatest thing I've ever tasted. Got to pull ourselves together after that. Oh, that we were already having an off day, and that just sent us on a spiral even farther Woo. downward because that was just god awful. Field the fork is going to taste so good. Oh yeah, we're going to field the fork after. Let me Krista and Jim. Are... Actually, the picture that we use as our profile picture for Instagram yeah. yep. was taken. I don't know how long ago. That's an old picture, but we were sitting in my driveway at my old house on our way to yep. field the fork. It's a favorite. So we'll jump right into our main story today, which is, as you know, I think, a mini mystery. So or main stories. Stories. <laughs> I know. I'm all off. <laughs> I know. I feel like we're forgetting I, I can't something. get that taste out of my mouth. <laughs> that was horrible. Uh, so yeah, Krista will go first. Okay. I'm ready. We each do a mini mystery. Oh, Krista's putting on I her hot glasses. glasses on. They're not hot. Whatever. Okay, are you ready? Don't make me come over there. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'll make you eat another dundersalt. Oh, God. No. <laughs> okay, these are hot glasses. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> ready. I'm going to set that down. So my mini mystery today is about the death of Todd Gibb. And that's, I think that's how it's pronounced. It's G-E-I-B. Would you pronounce Gibb or that? Gibb. Gibb? Well. It's probably Gibb. Gibb. Just say Todd. Todd. <laughs> Todd <laughs> Gibb or Gibb. So rather than cite all of my sources throughout, I'm just going to tell you what they all are at the beginning so I don't have to keep saying quote. <laughs> all of my information is from Wikipedia, of course, truecasefiles.com, mysteriousuniverse.org, one of our favorites, slate.com, and I did dig up some stuff from Reddit yesterday. So this is one of the cases that are part of what is known as the alleged smiley face killings or smiley face murders. The theory is that there are a series of deaths that have occurred between the late 1990s and 2000s. I think like 2008 maybe to 2010, something like that is where the last case or known case happened. Um, where the victims, who are all male, are found in bodies of water throughout several states across the Midwest, including Wisconsin. Usually after a night of drinking, usually after they have split off from their group by leaving a party, bar, etc. alone. And the circumstances surrounding their deaths are suspicious and just don't add up to what local authorities tend to go with as the official cause of death, which is usually accidental drowning. Uh, retired New York City detectives Kevin Gannon and Anthony Duarte. I hope I'm pronouncing Yeah, I think it right. is. I think okay. it is. I... They sound familiar to yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I think from that, that documentary. Yep. As well as Dr. Lee Gilbertson, a criminal justice professor at St. Cloud State University, are the experts behind this theory. There was a series on Oxygen, which you just mentioned, called Smiley Face Killers Hunt for Justice, featuring Gannon Duarte and Gilbertson, where they profiled and investigated several of the cases. I don't want to go too much into the overall theory because I'm assuming we're going to eventually cover that. I'm planning on it. Because there are quite a few cases, and once you start digging into the similarities, it's like really intriguing. But spoiler alert, they think it's either a serial killer or potentially even a group of killers. So on to Todd. Todd was a 22-year-old who lived in Casnovia, Michigan, and worked in nearby Wyoming, Michigan. The Mysterious Universe website stated that he lived with his cousin, but the True Case Files website said he was just renting a room from, from his cousin for the night, which I thought was kind of weird. I'm not even sure it's relevant, but I thought I would mention it. 
Another website did state that he lived with his cousin, so I'm just going to assume that's the case. So Todd was described as athletic, someone who loved the outdoors, uh, was into sports, was really friendly, smart, and outgoing, and was all around a well-liked guy. On June 11, 2005, Todd had a friend drop him off at a keg party slash bonfire located at an orchard in a rural marshy area near Ovid Hall Lake. I think that's how it's pronounced, which, as you can imagine, is going to come into play. Apparently, the party, which was described as an all-night event, got a little rowdy after a group of men showed up around or shortly after midnight and a fight broke out that was quickly escalating. Todd decided to leave and left the party on foot to walk back to his cousin's apartment. The last known communications from Todd occurred between 1247 and 1257 a.m. on June 12. The first call was made to a friend who isn't named in any of the articles I read, but I think it was the same friend who dropped him off at the party. So that call occurred at 1247 a.m. and he just told his friend that he had, quote, had enough of the party and was walking home. And the party was apparently only like a mile and a half from where he lived with his cousin, so it wasn't really all that unreasonable for him to walk home alone. At 12.51, he called his sister, but what he, all he said to her, or perhaps maybe all she could make out, I, didn't, I wasn't really clear on that, was, quote, I'm in a field before the call cut off. She called him back, and apparently the call connected, but all she heard was wind or possibly heavy breathing before she lost connection again. Creepy. A little bit, yeah. I mean, he could have just been walking, yeah. but still. Phone records indicate that Todd's phone was used twice after that. Both calls made to his sister and what we can assume were just him attempting to call her back, with the last call occurring at 12.57 a.m., and unfortunately, Todd was never heard from again. So after Todd was reported missing, the area where he was last seen was searched on three separate occasions, with one of the searches including aircraft and over 1,500 volunteers with no trace of Todd being found, although there is something I found on Reddit. Um, it said scent dogs followed his scent part of the way down a road towards the lake where he was later found. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I.e., his scent stopped suddenly, suggesting that he potentially had entered a vehicle. Yeah. So three weeks after he went missing, on July 2nd, his body was found in Ovid Hall Lake by a couple. You checking to see if your microphone's yeah. on? <laughs> <laughs> did you see me do that? Yeah, I did. Okay. It is on. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, no, sorry. Fine. Well, then it made me think, oh, crap, is his microphone on? <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, so a couple was at this lake, and they found him, his body in the lake, and they said, I got all distracted now. Sorry. He said they, in, they okay, the couple indicated that they found him standing upright in the water. They stated, quote, his head and shoulders were sticking out of the water. I remember hearing about this. Yes, yes. I remember. Uh, people have asked us to do this one. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you're welcome, people. <laughs> I, I think we talked about this in one of the Missing 411 episodes. We did? Yes, because the, the guy was like sitting like upright in the water, like oh. standing upright in the water. Well, hopefully you didn't, we didn't go into too much detail. No, I don't remember talking I, we, about him at we all. We did it a little bit, yeah. Okay. So just a little information about drowning victims. So they're usually found floating face down. Typically, a body sinks as soon as the air in the lungs is replaced by water. And once submerged, the body stays underwater until bacteria in the gut and the chest cavity start to build up and produce enough gas to float the body back up to the surface. Because I remember us talking about how creepy it would be to come up on that scene where the guy is just like there in the water. Like his shoulders. I've seen like a... um, a, like a rendering, like a computer rendering of what it looked like, and it, it's really creepy. 
So because the torso contains the most bacteria, it bloats more and becomes the most buoyant part of the body, rising to the surface first, leaving the head and limbs to follow behind. And because those parts, the head and limbs, fold forward, the corpses tend to rotate during this process when they drift to the top to accommodate the head and limbs, which end up face down, dangling below the body. So that's typically how a drowning victim is found. So despite the odd circumstance of how he was found and his position in the water, his death was basically ruled an undetermined drowning. And once the findings were made public, his case was closed. However, his parents don't believe his death was an accidental drowning. When they voiced their opinions to the police, they just dismissed it. They said he simply, quote, went for a swim, even though he was found fully clothed and his wallet was still in his jeans. Now I'm all paranoid that we like covered this whole story. We did a little bit in one of those, but it's fine. So in it's a good story. It's an interesting story. <laughs> it is. So it's, it's fine really if we cover it twice, because we're going to be doing the uh, missing four one one spotlight episodes where we're going to talk about stuff we already talked about in the missing four one one episode. Okay. So it's fine. I don't feel bad. Yeah, don't feel bad. <laughs> in two thousand nine, I'm good. I'm good. In two thousand nine, four years after Todd's death, Doctor Michael Sekirica. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. That's me and everyone I read. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm usually not. Sorry. Like he's listening. Who is the CEO (laughs) of the Forensic Identification and Profiling Laboratory, reviewed Todd's file, including the autopsy and photos. Dr. Sekirica concluded that Todd, who had been missing for three weeks, had only been dead two to five days before he was found, Mm -hmm. which is a common theme in the smiley face cases. He also concluded that he didn't have any water in his lungs. Apparently, even though these findings were shared with investigative professionals all over the world, all of who agreed with Dr. Sekirica, the Michigan State Police refused to reopen the case. And to this day, it still remains closed. There's actually a Facebook group that's out there that's, I think the title of it is uh, Reopen Todd Gibbs Case. Yeah, It's got like 4,459 followers, but it hasn't been active since 2020, so I don't really know what's going on there, but... Um, additionally, Dr. M. Eric Benbow, and I think this was in the, the series on oxygen. He's a forensic biologist from Michigan State University. He reexamined Todd's body and he stated, quote, there should have been more biofilm, more slime buildup. The other thing, it looks like part of his head was exposed. There should be insects in the clothing, even in the mouth, in and on the ears, in the folds of the skin. Ew. Yeah, gross. <laughs> That's where these flies will typically lay their eggs. They've evolved to be attracted to dead things within minutes to hours to a day. We saw none of this in Todd's shirt. Carcasses are consumed pretty quickly and dramatically. If a body was here, it would be colonized with some type of aquatic insect. Given our experiment, I believe they used a pig. Yeah. If you remember they, yeah, that series. Used, yeah. yep. Which is often used to simulate a human corpse. Um, I find it very surprising that Todd's body had no reported insect activity and the clothing had no algal development. Based on our study, it is unlikely that his clothing and his body had been in the water for 24 days. Or 21 days. So it just doesn't add up. No, it doesn't. It was like he was held somewhere for a while and then right. put in there. I don't know. This, well, one is al- this one has always been like super weird to me. It's very weird. So all this suggests that he didn't just go for a swim and yeah. drown accidentally the night of the party. This suggests he was somewhere else. For maybe two to two and a half weeks. It creeps me out to think of someone being held right. somewhere for God knows what. Totally. So there's basically one theory. 
aside from the accidental drowning. He was killed. Oh, yeah, the realistic theory, in my <laughs> opinion, is that he was murdered. He was held somewhere and then murdered and then disposed yeah. of there. So really, there's like two possibilities. Smiley face killer or killers or just another random person. Um, further evidence leads to the theory that he was drugged and then killed. Which is a smiley face. That happens totally. in a lot That's of the smiley face. Yep. Um, one of the missing 411 books we got from Stephanie. I want to give a shout out to Stephanie in Texas because she's having a really rough time. Oh. So love you, Stephanie. Yeah. One of the books she got us was is called Missing 411, A Sobering Coincidence. Mm. And it's about, the, it's about all these cases. Okay. So I'm sure this one's in there. I just haven't read that one yet. Um. Okay, so speaking of, the toxicology report revealed that he had a blood alcohol content of 0.12, which is pretty high, actually. Unless you live in Wisconsin. <laughs> right. That's just your day drinking alcohol <laughs> that's, content. That's your breakfast. <laughs> uh, but that he also had, and I'm going to screw these up, but it's amitriptyline and desipramine in his system. These are antidepressants. Neither of which he had prescriptions for. Apparently, the combination of them together, and he's not known to be depressed. Like, he was a happy, outgoing guy. The combination would be dangerous. I think they call it an additive. But also, if that's not your medication, who knows what dosage it is that it's prescribed to somebody. So that's that's not your... But did he take it willingly? Well, here's the thing. So... Combining those would be dangerous, so potentially resulting in hallucinations, confusion, agitation, and even seizures, coma, and cardiac arrest. So it's very unlikely that a doctor would have prescribed anyone both of these medications. Yeah. Um, And they're not drugs that are known to be used recreationally. I mean, this was like, I think, a small town in Michigan, and they did talk to like people, like bartenders, because he had gone out to a bar before this party. They talked to the bartender. I think they even talked to the pharmacist and they're like, people don't take pills around here. Like, it's not a thing. Yeah. They just, they do the normal stuff. Yeah. They drink. So it's those two antidepressants are not things people were taking recreationally. So it seems reasonable that perhaps someone at the party may have drugged him in order to incapacitate him and take him somewhere else. There were over a hundred people there. And even though it's a small town, that's not to say, you know, some outsiders showed yeah. up. Um, but he was described as well liked. So people in the town were, you know, nobody could really come up with any reason that anyone would want to hurt him. So this is where the smiley face killers theory kind of comes in too. I don't want to go too too deep into like what the common details are, but like we said, one of the hallmarks is that the victims often have evidence found during their autopsy that indicates they did not die where their body was found. Yep. And it's often discovered they were likely alive for days and sometimes even weeks prior to their death. I mean, that freaks me out. Like, what if somebody's, like, taking videos of them getting tortured or whatever and putting it on the, the dark, dark web, web or whatever? Which I'm watching on Prime, by oh, the I way. I thought you were watching, like, people getting tortured <laughs> on the dark <laughs> no, web. the series on <laughs> okay. Prime, Amazon Prime called, I think it's called Dark Web. Um, but could you imagine how that must sit with the family to no. find out that no. he was alive? He was alive yeah. for no. two that's to two just... and a half weeks prior. Like, where was he? Who? Just... Yeah, no. I mean that would drive me absolutely insane. One of the other biggest hallmarks that we haven't talked about yet, and why the these suspicious deaths are dubbed the smiley face murders, is that graffiti featuring a smiley face is often found near the site where the bodies were discovered. So. And these websites I mentioned, besides Reddit, 
nobody said anything about a smiley face being found. In fact, one of them said I, that they didn't think anything had been found by his body. But then in this on Reddit, and this is from Reddit user you backslash recognize, one of the things they pointed out was a smiley face was left on his gravestone and one was later found wow. at Waterside near where his body was found. But it's kind of contradictory. I don't know which one to believe. And I don't recall if the Oxygen series said that one was found um, because there were cases where they didn't really find anything that yeah. substantially was like clearly a smiley face. So given the evidence, oh, I wanted to list a couple of other things that... Would alcohol still be in his system three weeks later? Is that weird? That seems weird. I thought that was somebody else asked that question too. And I don't know if your body holds on to that. I don't know either, to be honest with you. So it almost suggests that if it doesn't, that he was continually given alcohol or something in the days leading up to before his body was found, which is a disturbing thought. So strange. Yeah. Um, Please theorize that he wandered into like fell into the water and drowned accidentally but a neighbor said this was highly unlikely since he would have had to walk through long thorn bushes on the hill and his body did not have any scratches on it police did not interview the man who found him in the lake or the neighbor who owned the land where the party was and i think that's all i pulled off of reddit oh somebody fly guy flyby on reddit fly said, guy flyby yeah <laughs> Like, he's a good that. source. I yeah, see, totally. I see him all the time in, in police Super reports. Super legit. Yeah. <laughs> he says, and he was responding to this other Reddit user. He said, also, why didn't they go into more depth with whatever the, quote, mysterious purchase was that occurred after he'd been missing for two days? I, I didn't run across that anywhere else. It says, why wasn't that followed up on by... Why wasn't that followed up on by the investigators? Is that one of those details they hide to make sure a tip is legit? Which I suppose I guess that would I could make see sense. That. But, I mean, this long after the case, you think yeah. they would reveal something like that? Maybe not. So, given the evidence found by Dr. Securica, which was shared with colleagues and professionals across the globe who all agreed with his findings, I don't believe this was an accidental drowning, not for a second. And what's almost as suspicious as the circumstances of his death is the refusal of the Michigan State Police to reopen the case, given all this evidence. That just yeah, seems that crazy seems to sketchy. me. But I feel like that's also kind of a similar theme in the cases is that either there's serious mishandling yeah or they refuse to look at certain yep, evidence totally. or take it seriously or once they close the case they just refuse to reopen it which yeah. i just think is so bizarre it is like it could you imagine it... being a family no member I, I, I could one? not i could not so what do you that's it that's all i have so what do you think i think what you said i think i think i i can't imagine that stuff being wrong and him just going for a swim and then no. and then drowning. So I think he was held somewhere. I think I just don't know if that. I can get my mind around the smiley face mm-hmm. killer thing. Like you're a believer in that and I'm kind of not. I think, I, I think that smiley faces are so ubiquitous yeah, that they're all they're over everywhere. the place. I mean that's like one of my hallmarks is a smiley face. I put I put that on everything. If we ever do an autograph session, <laughs> I'm going to put a smiley. That doesn't mean I'm a murderer. It I just... do think the similarities between all the cases is strange, though. Yeah, it is. It is. So I don't know. That's I one mean, that that's one that I wanted to tackle early next season. Yeah. The smiley face murders. Somebody brought up. Well, we. I don't want to get into theories about the smiley face killer or the idea that it's actually more than one person because we'll cover that in that episode. Well, it almost sounds like it could be a group. Yeah, maybe. But somebody pointed out some glaring sort of 
problems with that idea. Yeah. Um, but I don't know whether or not I, I'm intrigued by the idea of the smiling face killer just because serial killers are interesting to me. But I do think this was murder. I, I mean, he was, in my it, opinion, he I was think murdered. It, I think it was too. Totally. So I feel horrible for Which his is family. a disturbing thought, the way it would have happened. But yeah, I, I totally think it was murder too. Yeah. Those weeks in between Yeesh. when he went missing and when he was found, you just, your yep. mind goes to some dark places. Very dark places. So, okay. Well, good one. Thanks. I'm going to start mine with the disclaimer that this might be a touchy one because it is religious. Okay. And we're, the thing is, like, uh, I'm not dismissing it. Okay. Uh, you know, like, I fall, I was thinking about this on the drive here, that I kind of fall, like, right in the middle. Like, atheists and agnostics, I get it, mm-hmm. but religious people, I get it, too. Yeah. So I'm not really one way or the other. Like I said, the only thing... I always say it on here. The only thing more annoying than an overbearing religious person is a atheist who thinks he's better than everybody else and has to correct everybody. Yeah, I agree. They're they're both annoying. So like I fall in the middle. Like I believe in stuff, but I also think that there's a lot of stuff that can be disproven. So I just want to jump into this one with that saying that I am not mocking this because this is kind of a big thing. My story is about the... Our Lady of Guadalupe Ooh. image. Okay. So that is what my story is about. And it's basically kind of like the Shroud of Turin. Yeah. So. I know this story. I know a little bit about it's it. It's interesting. It really Very. is. So most of this introductory part comes from the Catholic Education Resource Center website. So this is going to the background of it. The story begins in the early morning hours of December 9th, 1531, when a 57-year-old Indian peasant named Juan Diego was walking to Mass along the path of Tepeyac Hill on the outskirts of Mexico City. I think it's Tepeyac. Hopefully I'm pronouncing. There's a lot of stuff in here I'm probably going to massacre when I try pronouncing. But he was walking to Mass along a path on Tepeyac Hill. As he walked along, from out of nowhere, he began to hear soft, pretty music playing, and then he came upon a beautiful woman standing on the path. She called out his name and she said, quote, no for certain, least of my sons, <laughs> least of my sons. Isn't that kind of an insult? Yeah. <laughs> it's already is a off to bit. a bad start. <laughs> no for certain, least of my sons, that I am the perfect and perpetual Virgin Mary, mother of Jesus, the true God, through whom everything lives, the Lord of all things near and far, the master of heaven and earth. Wow. It's an introduction. Yeah. It is my earnest wish that a temple be built here in my honor. Here I will demonstrate, I will manifest, I will give all my love, my compassion, my help, and my protection to the people. I am your merciful mother, the merciful mother of all of you who live united in this land and of all mankind, of all those who love me, of all those who cry to me, of those who seek me, and of those who have confidence in me. Here I will hear their weeping, their sorrow, and will remedy and alleviate all their multiple sufferings, necessities, and misfortunes. So she's saying she wants a temple built to her there. I feel like I would have a hard time remembering all that to be able to every count every it to site anyone. I went to had like different words. It was like okay. different. Some were nicer than others. Some were like not as nice as others. But I just went with this because I got most of the stuff from this site. Okay. So basically, he runs into the Virgin Mary, who's saying, "You know, I kind of want a shrine here, or yeah. a temple built to me." She told Juan Diego to go and inform the bishop there, Bishop Zumaraga, that she wished for a church to be built at that site. Juan Diego asked her her name, and she responded, Tlecutalupi, which means, quote, the one who crushes the head of the serpent. Oh, wow. So Juan Diego went and told Bishop Zumaraga what happened, and when he told the bishop the woman's name, Juan mistakenly said it was the familiar Spanish name Guadalupe instead, which is also the name of a nearby city. 
The bishop said to Juan, quote, You shall come again, my son, and I will hear what you have to say at greater leisure. I shall look into the matter carefully from the very first and give much thought and consideration to the goodwill and the desire with which you have come. So in other words, he was like, uh, whatever, I'll think about it. <laughs> come <laughs> back know? later. Come back Stop later. Stop bothering me. So Juan went back down to the path and found the woman standing there waiting. He told her what the bishop said, and she was like, well, go tell him again. <laughs> So then Juan went back to the bishop, and the bishop said he would consider it if Juan brought back a sign with him that would prove that his story was legit. So then Juan hoofed it back to the woman, and the woman told Juan to come back the next day to receive the sign. The next day, Juan's uncle, who was sick and dying, asked Juan to go get a priest to come give him his last rites. So Juan headed into town and got the priest and brought him back to the house, but because of this, Juan missed his appointment with the lady. The next day, Juan took an alternate path into town because he felt bad about missing the appointment the previous day and he didn't want to run into her. <laughs> now he's avoiding her. So then she, of course, appears on this different path he's taking. She's like, what's up? You know, so busted. He tells her what happened and she says, quote, Hear and let it penetrate into your heart, my dear little Juan. Let nothing discourage you, nothing depress you. Let nothing alter your heart or your countenance. Also, do not fear any illness or vexation, anxiety or pain. Am I not your fountain of life? Are you not in the folds of my mantle, in the crossings of my arms? Is there anything else that you need? And then she tells him that his uncle will be okay, and she has just completely restored his health. She says as far as the sign for the bishop, she told Juan to go to the top of the mountain they were on and pick some roses. He went up to the top, not expecting to find any roses because nothing grew there other than cacti, but when he got up there, he found roses growing that shouldn't grow anywhere near Mexico. He took off his tilma, which is basically a poncho, and he gathered up a bunch of the roses and put them into his tilma to carry. He brought them back to the woman, and she told him to take those to the bishop, which he did. When Juan and the bishop opened the tilma, they found the roses, but they also found out that a beautiful image of the Virgin Mary was now imprinted on the inside of the tilma where the roses were. The bishop asked Juan to show him where the woman was and where she wanted the church built, but Juan wanted to go home and check on his uncle first, so they all went together. When they arrived at Juan's uncle's house, the uncle was now perfectly healthy. It's said that the bishop kept Juan Diego's cloak with the image in his private chapel and then in the church on public display where it attracted a lot of attention. On December 26, 1531, a procession formed to transfer the image back to Tepeyac Hill where it was installed in a small, hastily erect chapel. During this procession, it's said that a man was mortally wounded in the neck by an arrow shot by accident during some stylized martial displays performed in honor of the Virgin. The other men carried him before the Virgin's image on the tilma and begged for his life. The arrow was pulled out, and it's said that the victim fully and immediately recovered. Huh. So the chapel grew into a shrine that was built where the woman asked for it to be built, and it's been expanded upon and rebuilt over the years, and today, the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe is the most visited Catholic shrine in the world, and the world's third most visited sacred site. That's a big thing. Yeah. The Basilica is visited by several million people each year, especially around December 12th, which is Our Lady of Guadalupe's feast day. And the original cloak with the image is still in the church, framed and hung behind the altar. And there's a lot of interesting stuff about the Tilma. So it's basically like the Shroud of Turin. Yeah. Okay. According to the website monasteryicon.com, it says, quote, Infrared studies revealed unexplainable phenomena. The image was not painted and the color did not penetrate the fibers as would paint. Weaving with such irregular fibers also produced a rough surface, which would have distorted any simple surface painting. Yet the image one sees is clear and undistorted. Richard Kuhn, or Richard Kuhn, 
I think it's Kuhn. Richard Kuhn, the 1938 Nobel Prize winner in chemistry, found that the image did not have natural animal or mineral colorings. Given that there were no synthetic colorings in 1531, the image is inexplicable. Hmm. Oh, I can't get this taste out of my mouth. It's dry. Oh, really? It's, yeah, it's seriously it's gone me for crazy. me. Mm. Or I've blocked it out. It's one of those. Dr. Jose Atze Tansman, a digital imaging expert at IBM, insists that the basic image had not been painted by human hands. Made of the fibers used by the Indians, the tilma should have deteriorated centuries ago. It was not sized and has no protective coat of varnish. Anything made of cactus fiber would have deteriorated within a hundred years, especially when exposed to the pollution, candle soot, and the like. Nevertheless, the tilma remains. So the tilma is basically made of cactus fiber. The natural lifespan of a cloak made with cactus fiber or fiber from the agave plant is only about 25 to 30 years. According to a 2009 article on the Is Anybody There blog titled, quote, Science Cannot Explain the Our Lady of Guadalupe Tilma, it says, Researcher and physicist Dr. Eldafo Orozoka told participants at the International Marian Congress on Our Lady of Guadalupe that there is no scientific explanation for the 478 years of high-quality preservation of the tilma or for the miracles that have occurred to ensure its preservation, confirming that it's completely beyond any scientific explanation. He says, quote, All the cloths similar to the tilma that have been placed in the salty and humid environment around the basilica have lasted no more than 10 years. One painting of the miraculous image created in 1789 was on display in a church near the basilica where the tilma was placed. This painting was made with the best techniques of its time. The copy was beautiful and made with a fabric very similar to that of the tilma. Also, the image was protected with a glass since it was first placed there. However, eight years later, this copy of the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe was thrown away because the colors were fading and threads were breaking. In contrast, the original tilma was exposed for approximately 116 years without any kind of protection, receiving all the infrared and ultraviolet radiation from the tens of thousands of candles near it and exposed to the humid and salty air around the temple. Dr. Orozca, Orozoka? Dr. Or... Dr. Orozca then discussed the tilma's fabric, noting that one of the most bizarre characteristics of the cloth is that the backside is rough and coarse, but the front side is as soft as the most pure silk, as noted by painters and scientists in 1666, and confirmed one century later in 1751 by the Mexican painter Miguel Cabrera. According to Wikipedia, the image was displayed without any protective glass for its first 115 years, while replicas normally endure for only 15 or so years before degrading, but this image remains vibrant and it's said that it repaired itself with no external existence after a 1791 accident in which nitric acid was spilled on its top right, causing considerable damage but leaving the aura of the Virgin intact. Hmm. Also, later additions to Our Lady of Guadalupe, such as adding the silver plating of the moon and gold leaf, showed serious signs of wear over time, while nothing else on the original image did. Dr. Philip Cerna Callahan, who photographed the icon under infrared light, declared from his photographs that portions of the face, hands, robes, and mantle had been created in one step, with no sketches or corrections and no visible brush strokes. So there's a lot of stuff this going on. Weird, unexplainable stuff. Yeah, but... You have some explanations. Well, we'll get to that. (laughs) 
Also, the mm-hmm. research of Father Mario Sanchez and Dr. Juan Hernandez Alescas of Mexico attests that the stars on her mantle appear exactly as they would have in the sky before dawn on the morning of December 12th, 1531, which is the day the image is said to have appeared on the cloak. I mean, that's... That's a that's, strange coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like they didn't really have the they internet to go. Ha- right. <laughs> I mean, you could figure it out, extrapolate it, maybe what the constellations were and where everything was. But, I think with the internet, you but could to now. do that, but not back yeah. then, you wouldn't be able to. And then this was one of the big ones. There was the 1921 incident, according to the website. Quote: In 1921, and this this legitimately happened. This is one of the things that we know legitimately happened. In 1921, during the fanatical reign of General Callis, who outlawed Catholicism, a man named Luciano Perez Carpio laid a bundle of roses that had sticks of dynamite hidden in it on the altar beneath the image in hopes of destroying the tilma. The bomb reduced the marble altar to rubble, shattered the windows, and twisted the heavy bronze altar cross, but the tilma was untouched. Even its glass covering was undamaged. Come on. And that's crazy. I that mean, this this crazy. legitimately happened. It said nearby buildings were damaged and had their windows blown out, but the glass in the frame of the tilma was still untouched. Come on. The twisted cross is still there to this day. Like, you can go there and see the bent cross that, that, wow. that bent in the explosion of the dynamite. That is crazy. Yep. But one of the most intriguing things about the image is its eyes. The website says, quote, In 1929, Alfonso Marcu, the official photographer of the old Basilica of Guadalupe in Mexico City, discovered a clear image of a bearded man reflected in the right eye of the Virgin. He informed the authorities of the Basilica, who told him to keep complete silence about the discovery, which he did. In 1956, ophthalmologist Dr. Raphael Tora Lavoniet examined the eyes of the Virgin's image with an ophthalmoscope. Ophthalmoscope? Ophthalmoscope. <laughs> I have no idea. With an, a medical eye thing in great mm-hmm. detail. He observed the apparent human figure in the corneas of both eyes with the location and distortion of a normal human eye and specially noted a unique appearance of the eyes. They look strangely alive when examined. Earlier that same year, eye doctor Dr. Javier Torello Bueno certified that the images in the virgin's eyes are located exactly where they would be in a living human eye and that the distortion of the images agree with the curvature of the corona. The corn- cornea. Cornea. have <laughs> <laughs> got corona on the brain. Yeah, <laughs> I do. So yeah, I'll re- reread this one again. Dr. Javier Torello Bueno certified that the images in the Virgin's eyes are located where they would be in a living human eye and that the distortion of the images agree with the curvature of the cornea. So I mean, this is like... the odds of that though? Yeah. Like who would... I don't know. In 1979, when working with digitized high-resolution images of the tilma magnified 2,500 times... Dr. Tonsman discovered that in addition to the human figure others had seen previously, other human figures were also reflected in the Virgin's eyes, a total of 13 people. The same people are present in both the left and right eyes in different proportions as would happen when human eyes reflect the objects before them. Tonsman said he believes the reflection transmitted by the eyes of the Virgin of Guadalupe is the scene on December 9th, 1531, during which Juan Diego showed his tilma with the image to Bishop Zumaraga and others present in the room. Nuclear physicist Dr. Charles Wallig also posited that the Blessed Mother must have been invisibly present when Juan Diego was presenting the roses to Bishop Zumaraga and that the tilma acted like a photographic plate that captured her image and the reflection of their images in her eyes. That's so crazy. I can't even wrap my head around that. No. 
In the eyes, Tonsman discerned a seated Indian who was looking up to the heavens, the profile of a balding elderly man with a white beard, much like the portrait of Bishop Zumaraga painted by Miguel Cabrera to depict the miracle, and a younger man, probably interpreter Juan Gonzalez. Also present is an Indian of striking features with a beard and a mustache, likely St. Juan Diego himself, who unfolds his own tilma before the bishop, a woman of dark complexion, possibly a Negro slave who was in the bishop's service, and a man with Spanish features who looks on pensively stroking his beard with his hand. In the center of the pupils, on a much more reduced scale, another scene can be perceived independent of the first, the scientist contends. It's that of an Indian family made up of a woman, a man, and several children. In the right eye, other people who are standing appear behind the woman. Are there photos <laughs> of cr- all this? Yeah, we're going to get to that. Okay. Also, according to the Scott Smith blog, Carlos Fernandez del Castillo, a gynecologist, examined the Our Lady of Guadalupe image and listened to her heart using a stethoscope. Placing his stethoscope below the black band of the waist of Our Lady, he heard rhythmic heartbeats at 115 beats per minute, which is the same beats per minute as that of a baby in the womb. Oh, come on now. <laughs> we pushed you too far now? Yep, that was too much. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Philip Callahan's 1979 infrared examination of Our Lady of Guadalupe revealed yet another miracle besides its miraculous preservation. He discovered that the tilma maintains a constant temperature of 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. Therefore, Our Lady's image maintains its own body temperature. Also, at one distance, Our Lady appears to be Native American. At another distance, she appears to be of European descent. Why? This miraculous feature of Our Lady Guadalupe is meant to show the unity of the two peoples and cultures in light of the true faith of Christ. Dr. Philip Callahan explains how Our Lady of Guadalupe is able to achieve this effect, saying, quote, At a distance of six or seven feet, the skin tone becomes what might best be termed as Indian olive, gray-green in tone. It appears somehow the gray and caked-looking white pigment of the face and hands combines with the rough surface of the unsized hue. Such a technique would be an impossible accomplishment in human hands. It often occurs in nature, however, in the coloring of bird feathers and butterfly scales, and on the wing cases of brightly colored beetles. But it is a trait that is only seen in nature and not in paintings. That's interesting. Hmm. So now the skeptic point. <laughs> now, now we get some skeptic stuff. One of the big skeptic things is there are questions about whether or not Juan Diego even actually existed. Oh. Because nothing can be found about him. He was made a saint. Uh, I think within the last 50 years, I think he was made a saint. Okay. But nothing... We can't substantiate that Nothing can be existed. substantiated. Okay. No, nothing at all can be substantiated. Hmm. In late 2019, investigators from the Higher Institute of Guadalupano Studies concluded that there was no evidence that Richard Kuhn, the 1938 Nobel Prize winner in chemistry, ever investigated the, lady, the Our Lady of Guadalupe image or made the statement that is often attributed to him. So now... You know, that's one of the big things is that this guy looked at this and said this could not have been created by human paint or human hands. And there's no proof that he ever even looked at the thing. Oh. So now we're starting to get some... Sure. Yeah. Holes in the story. A 2002 article on Skeptical Inquirer says, quote, During a formal investigation of the cloth in 1556, it was stated that the image was probably painted recently by an Indian, specifically the Indian painter Marcos. This was probably the Aztec painter Marcos Sipac de Aquino, who was active in Mexico at the time the image of Guadalupe appeared. Recently, our findings were confirmed when the Spanish-language magazine Proceso reported the results of a secret study of the image of Guadalupe. 
It had been conducted in secret in 1982 by art restoration expert Jose Sal Rosales. Rosales examined the cloth with a stereo microscope and observed that the canvas appeared to be a mixture of linen and hemp or cactus fiber. It had been prepared with a brush coat of white primer, which is one thing that they said there was no primer, but this found primer. And the image was then rendered in distemper, i.e. paint consisting of pigment, water, and a binding medium. The artist used a very limited palette, the expert stated, consisting of black from pine soot, white, blue, green, various earth colors, reds, and gold. Rosales concluded that the image did not originate supernaturally, but was instead the work of an artist who used the materials and methods of his time. But in the 1500s? Way back when it was created. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It still seems like a lot of yeah. crazy detail. Yeah. March 20th, 2018 article on historicalblindness.com called, quote, The Marian Apparition of Guadalupe and Her Fantastical Portrait says, This cavalcade of supernatural claims does much to wear down one's skepticism, but of course there is good reason to consider the Tilma's origin story dubious and to hold all of these fantastical assertions suspect. First, the simple fact that Cortez and his Franciscans were actively seeking ways to encourage the conversion of the indigenous peoples, and that the story that eventually emerged was strikingly similar and indeed directly connected to a Marian legend from Cortez's home in the Extremadura region of Spain is suspicious to say the least. The image might be seen as a purposeful manipulation tool on the part of ecclesiastical authorities to appeal to the native population of the newly established Mexico City and to the mixed race generations to come. And I mean, I get that. Like, if Mm. you want to convince these people to switch over to to your religion, you're going to come up with something like this. Yep. Moreover, a common effect of colonialism was something that had been called syncretism which happens when conquerors graft their culture onto the existing culture. Some, for example, skeptic Brian Dunning, have pointed out that previous to Spanish conquest, Tepeyac Hill had been home to an Aztec temple to a virgin goddess called Tanatzin. Thus, when Cortes called for the destruction of Aztec temples and the raising of Catholic temples in their place, dedicating the site to a comparable figure might have made that pill a little easier to swallow. Mm -hmm. So I get that too. Mm Okay, a believer might protest, but what about the strange properties of the image itself? Well, yes, there are many, but can you trust the sources that discuss them? In point of fact, much like the study of the Shroud of Turin, many people choose to ignore scientific analysis that don't agree with their conclusions. For example, another noted skeptic, Joe Nickel, has written at length about the studies that have indeed detected evidence of craftsmanship and artistry in the image. One, for example, actually did find that there are indications of layers of paint after all, and of brush strokes, as infrared photography had revealed previous versions of the hands in different positions, and it is apparent that pigment was applied more heavily to areas where the canvas had imperfections in the texture of its weave. Hmm. As for the scientists that claimed there had been no primer used and could find no earthly equivalent for the pigments used, well, other studies have found that there does appear to have been a primer applied to the canvas and that the pigments were composed of common materials such as pine soot. Most point to the work of Professors Smith and Callahan in confirming these implausible claims, yet they ignore other findings that these same researchers published, such as that several elements of the image appear to have been added at a later date, such as the rays of the sun, the moon beneath Mary's feet, and the star pattern on her cloak. Hmm. So much for the constellation patterns, as well as the images in her eyes, that can very easily be explained as what happens when otherwise smart people stare for too long at something, searching for hidden meaning. Inevitably, they will find it. Sure. And uh, 
the eyes are it's like it's literally what I showed you uh, what I have in the in the teaser pick okay like this is the image of the bearded man like this is the image of the bearded man I mean yeah it looks but it's also it's like a dog to me it's <laughs> it does look like a dog but it's also it's basically her uh, eyes are like barely even open and they find all this imagery yes, in her eyes. Yes. That doesn't look like a bearded man to me. To be no. And with I, you. I've looked, you can see, you can find pictures online. I'll post a couple in the strangers. I mean, whatever you suggest you see is what you're Exactly. See. It, it's paradelia. Basically. Yep, totally. uh, I'll post some in the group, but hmm. you know, you hear about this and you're like, wow. And you expect it to be clear as, clear day. as day. And it's, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not at all. It's when you're told what to see, you're going to see it. Mm-hmm. So I'll post some of these in the group, but the images in the eyes aren't as impressive as you were hoping they would be as you would think according to a 2013 historiography of the apparition of guadalupe on the website arcaneknowledge.org in the late 1970s and early 80s guadalupean investigator rodrigo franuetti claimed that the photographs published in 1930 and 1931 showed evidence that the virgin's face had been altered sometime after 1926 in his 1983 pamphlet, I'm not even going to bother trying to read that because it's a long Spanish <laughs> <laughs> title, he compares photos from the 1920s with later photographs showing that there has indeed been visible alterations to the Virgin's face and not for the better. <laughs> Whatever the exact modification, modification, wow. <laughs> Whatever the exact motivation for the retouches may have been, they definitely occurred. However, the fact that these ret- and and I agree with this. However, the fact that these retouches are so noticeable shows that no restoration of the face was needed for its first four centuries. Hmm. Any retouching would have obscured the weave of the cloth, which was plainly visible throughout the face up to 1923. So, just because there was stuff added to it doesn't mean that it has that the existed. original isn't miraculous. Right? Yeah. You know, that's true. A 1946 chemical composition test of the tilma concluded that the plant was an agave of indeterminate species. To this day, this has been the only technical analysis competent for determining the composition of the cloth. Its strong, flexible fibers were used to make hats and blankets for the poor. The finished woven product is rough, hard, and resistant. Notably, the side that receives more light becomes smooth and soft over time. This is consistent with what has been observed of the tilma's texture on its painted side. So that's why one side is smooth and the other side isn't, is because that side has been exposed. exposed. From the 1950s to the 1970s, various experts in photography and ophthalmology have attested that the image of one or more human figures can be found in virgin's eyes. Ordinarily, we might dismiss such claims as mere coincidence. After all, the human brain is highly proficient at facial recognition, accounting for our propensity to recognize faces in clouds and other objects. Yet there are two considerations that might make us take these claims more seriously. First, the same figure seems to be in both eyes. Second, in the right eye, which is more clearly rendered, there are two or possibly three instances of the human figure in the location, sizes, and orientation one finds in the reflections on a human eye. These images in the pupils manifest the triple reflection called the Purkinje-Sanson effect. This effect was completely unknown at the time of the image's formation. Both of these considerations greatly reduce the likelihood that we are dealing with mere coincidence. The strength of these assertions, however, is limited by the resolution of the images. Also, the second and third Purkinje-Sanson images are not obvious human forms. The latter, in fact, is little more than a bright dot. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> While this evidence is consistent with the sizes of Purkinje-Sanson reflections, we are dealing with a scale that approaches the resolution of individual threads. 
Little credence is owned to claims that there are more personages, as many as 13 figures in the eyes. These more extravagant claims are not substantiated by expert analysis and belong merely in the realm of cloud reading. Mm -hmm. However, the article says, however, the vast majority of scientific and expert analysis of the tilma have drawn conclusions favorable to the thesis that the image is indeed of miraculous origin or otherwise inexplicable. Hmm. So what do you think? Like, like, you know, and, and here's my thing. Like, I think one of the biggest things is the bomb not blowing yeah, up. Yeah, that's crazy. But how do you explain a skeptic that? would say, who's to say that it wasn't? And they made a fake and said, look, this yeah. is miraculous. Yeah. And w- maybe you that's... You literally have to take all of this yes, at face value yes. or with and, a huge grain of salt. And maybe that's why it doesn't deteriorate is because every 10 years, they, they put a new one. It. They have a stack in the back room of these <laughs> tilmas made that they just keep putting up. There's some factory. But that's such a cynical... It that is. is such, and people who are anti-religion are going to say that's exactly what they do. You are know, they, they manipulate. They manipulate. It? I don't think they're making money off of it, but but this is like a huge. Like yeah. if you have faith in that, this is a huge. Well, thousands thing. of people. Yeah, no, millions, millions of, of people, people come to see this thing every year. And so. if you're cynical and are like, of course, that's what the church wants, so they keep right. touting this as a miracle, and they keep putting out new. I love the idea of it being real at least the original yeah but if i I don't know that there's anything that disproves it's not yeah but all this other stuff on top of it i don't buy into any of the stuff in the eyes no like that just i agree it's it's your brain is just trying to make sense of like nonsense i guess but 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 they said it's impressive that the things that appear in the eyes do appear exactly as they would in the human eye with relation to the cornea with relation to where everything is and that's coincidence i don't know that is weird it is is weird weird. but it not being blown up if it isn't shenanigans by the church putting a new one out in its place and saying look it's a miracle it's still there right you know i don't know it's hard to say but people, this is this is like a huge thing. Like, there's websites devoted. Like, a lot of people have this image up in their in their sure. house. So, like I said, we're not poo pooing it because I part of me tends to believe there is something to this. Yeah. That there is something. You know, of course, skeptics are going to try to tear apart every single aspect of this. Of course, believers are going to buy into every single aspect of this. Yeah, I think I am somewhere in the middle. Though I think I'm somewhere in the middle too. I think, I think there. You know, like they did retouch it. They they would go and, and do stuff. But, you know, like the article said, even if they did, you can't account for the fact that that showed that that was like the most recent retouch. Like it hasn't been retouched in the past hundreds of years when it should have deteriorated by then. Right. I think there is evidence that seems to support the fact that it has been around as long yeah. as they say it has. Yeah. I agree. And, and uh, a lot of the stuff I read said this is like something that you can't really grasp until you go there and see it in person how bright and vibrant it is Mm -hmm. and they said what's amazing is that it looks different from different you know like like when you're it almost looks like a different person when you're farther away than when you're close and Mm -hmm. they said that should not be like that because that's almost more of a it's like a hologram like a prism or like a hologram thing that they said they can do like nature does on feathers and stuff but an artist had no way of doing that right so people there i've read like quotes from people that went there to see it that kind of were skeptics and they went there and they're like no there is something Hmm. about this image so i don't know i'm 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 in the middle i'm I'm in the middle of the road too I'm not going to poo-poo on it completely. I'm not going to poo-poo on it either, but, but I'm also, I also think a lot of the, the stuff, like, they, they basically said, 
no, there's no heartbeat. It is not yeah, 98.6 yeah, yeah. degrees. You know, the heartbeat is what. Yeah, know, that's where the that's where you. <laughs> but no, they said like people have <laughs> have studied it and said no. They said basically that's propaganda that this is a totally. miracle. You know, mm-hmm. so there's no heartbeat. It is not 98.6 degrees. But yeah, I don't there is there is weird stuff about it. Mm-hmm. If the thing about the bomb going off is true, that's that's the bomb crazy. did go off, but it's it it's whether was or that not the original? that was the original. Yeah. So I don't know, but I mean, I I lean towards that there is something up with this image. Like this yeah. is an interesting thing to me. Yeah, me too. You know, this has always been an interesting thing to me. So I'm not going to poo-poo it, and I'm not going to completely buy into it. But I lean on the side that there is something maybe otherworldly about this image. Yep, I agree. Okay, I want to just read a couple quotes that I found about this, like comments, like Reddit comments, and I really like these, so I just put them in here. Somebody left in a comment. I hate to think that the image of Guadalupe is a hoax, I guess for sentimental reasons. But the nice thing about being a disillusioned Catholic and budding agnostic is that I no longer feel defensive when somebody criticizes a church-approved miracle or dogma. I can look at it objectively and dispassionately. As a practical matter, it's easy to see why the church would approve of this apparition. It was a great propaganda tool that led to the conversion of millions of Indians. Hmm. So I totally, I totally agree with that. Yep. As somebody else said in a quote... As an atheist once said, it doesn't make any difference whether it's true or not. All that matters is whether or not people believe that it's true. Right. And this last one, I really like. I don't remember where this was, but it was a comment about one of these. It was a comment in one of these articles that I was reading for this. The person wrote, I see these researchers in a lab placing the tilma beneath infrared lamps or carefully removing a section to dissolve and inject into a gas chromatograph. Then I see our Lord and Lady in Heaven just smiling down on them. As a scientist, I feel that God has hidden much in our world for us to find, examine, and understand, and then he just threw in some extra bits. So <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. that That's uh, a good perspective. Quote. So yeah, there you go. Hmm. Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. Wow. I learned a lot about it. Yeah. I didn't know a lot of that, yep. the details behind it. Yeah. But... I just think it's an interesting story. It is. Very much. Okay. Uh, before we get to our listener question... I want to read a email we got from a really sweet listener named Tiana. I just love this email. She wrote, Hi, Kurt. Hi, Krista. Apologies in advance as I think this may be a bit of a novel. <laughs> I've been mentally writing this email since I started binge listening to the strange sessions about two and a half months ago. Like a lot of other strangers, I originally found your podcast through a missing 411 Spotify search and have been hooked ever since. I have an hour commute to and from work every day, and the Strange Sessions is what helps me fight the traffic. To start, you two are amazing. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I feel like there are a lot of podcasters out there that sound like they're trying too hard, which immediately turns me off. So when I listened to you guys, I knew from the very first episode that you were in a league of your own. You truly have that small town feel that makes complete actual strangers feel like you two are close friends. I love That's that. That's so sweet. I know. I love that. And too. since I feel like you two are friends, I wanted to introduce myself so that when I start sharing paranormal stories, you guys know who I am. So my name is Tiana, pronounced Tiana. So I thank you for actually putting <laughs> yeah. Tiana. I love that name. My sister-in-law, Natalie, is actually the one who wrote you the email about Yakima a few weeks back. In addition to the strange parallel, she had mentioned another funny one is that my husband, Corey, also swears by the Miley Cyrus song, Party in the USA, which I think is it's just a perfect song. It really is a great song. On a complete side note, I've been listening to her last album, Plastic Hearts, and as weird as she is, that girl makes some good music. She does. So anywho, I live in Washington State, very close to Mount Rainier, and both my husband and I have spent a lot of time in the woods to which we both 
have our own Bigfoot stories we'll have to submit at some point. Krista's excited. Mm -hmm. Anytime you guys want to come to Washington, we would be thrilled to show you guys around. Even though I've been social distancing from Facebook for about 10 years now, I honestly love you guys so much I considered making a profile just to join the strangers. That's a compliment That is right a compliment. There. <laughs> Thank you so much. Through my binge listening journey, I've made some generic observations I wanted to share. You two have always been amazing. I've done a bit of jumping around in the season, so only just went through season one via YouTube. If you receive notifications that someone listened to six of your episodes in one day, that was probably me. Wow. <laughs> I was really going into it, mentally prepared for terrible audio and an uncomfortable Kurt. But no, even from the beginning, you guys made it sound effortless, well put together, and fun. Kurt, you need to not be so self-conscious about the show, the topics, and the quality. You guys have tons of adoring fans who love you. Even the Maura Murray slash steak burrito <laughs> recipe was great. I think every time Kurt grunt moans during a taste test, it's an instant 10. And you guys need an intern. <laughs> yes, we yes, do. Yes, we do. I just listened to the episode on synchronicities, and I realized that I have my own very strange synchronicity to share, but we'll do so in another email since I feel like this is becoming a bit lengthy. For now, I just want to say again, thank you so much for the great show and for being such wonderful people. I hope you guys never run out of topics to talk about because I would be completely content to listen to your show for the rest of my life. Aww. That's Come so sweet. On. Until next time, stay strange. That is so sweet. Thank you so much. Like anytime, wow. it just <laughs> stuff like that. It's just yeah, hard to wrap our head around. So thank you. You know, like anytime we make somebody's day, it's 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 weird because I say this all the time, but I I have a hard time thinking about the big picture of this oh, when, me too. when we're not doing this. Like I have a very hard time thinking about it, mm -hmm. like because it freaks me out. A little <laughs> it bit. freaks me out. Like I don't want to let anyone down. No, I don't want to let anyone down either. And I feel like we do that every time we get done recording. It's like <laughs> oh, that episode sucked. <laughs> You know, oh, so I, yeah, and but she says that I worry too much, which you I do. do. I do, and it's funny because when I had to go back and re-listen to our episode on Elisa Lamb, which was like episode four or something, it was like an early episode in season one. I was like, oh, I guess it wasn't that bad. Like we weren't that bad. The yeah. audio wasn't that bad. We don't sound super awkward. So she has a point. I think we're way harder on ourselves than we need to be, but. I think that also, but I also think makes that makes us, us, us. that makes yeah, us who, yeah, we, who we are. are. We're warriors. You know, like we don't, we don't ever want to be like, oh, that was an ex, that's the best episode we ever. That. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've ever been, we no. nailed that. Nope. No, but you know, like it's hard. It, it freaks me out when I think about it sometimes that so many people, like, I feel like we have a responsibility, mm -hmm. to, you know, and this, a little bit. it's just, it's just. I don't want it to feel like pressure. So I, I don't want to feel like pressure, it. but I, like you said, I don't want to let anybody down. Totally. I don't want, because I know what it's like to be like rock bottom and to have something like this mm -hmm. make your, your feel day good show, so it, to make you feel is. better. So yep. we take that seriously. We really do. If I am someone's Gilmore girls, that is like a huge compliment. <laughs> exactly. And shout out to the Pacific Northwest, man. We have a lot of listeners over there. That's pretty I awesome. I know. And it sucks because I think sometimes about you and I, like Taking if we made enough road. money doing this, going on the road, mm -hmm. getting like, you know, like, like we talk about the girls on the BAM bus that just got that, like reconstructed that school bus and yeah. are traveling around the country. Like I would love to do it, but I would have loved to, to have done that 20 years ago when I was younger. We could totally do it now. We just couldn't have full-time jobs while we're doing no, it. No, I know. But so... it, like, it would be just cool <laughs> to like travel around the country and... and do little, but it's also like, scary. Live shows. It's also super scary. It is terrifying. Like that's one of those things that you and I would be like, this is going to be exciting until it became time to the do it. Then we'd before. be like, cancel it, cancel yep, it. Nope, I'm out. <laughs> so, like I said, I think Matt Lemons or Lemon, he's yeah. the one who's like, you guys should come to this. It's this weekend. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, or was it last weekend? This weekend. This I weekend. Some co- conference happening in, in Chicago. Chicago. And we're both like, like my fear is no one will show up. And my fear is also that a lot of people will show up <laughs> exactly. to see us. And I don't know which exactly. is scarier. Like, I don't know. But no, it just means a lot to us how we affect you guys. So we'll, totally. anytime we bring a little joy to your life, that makes all of this worth doing. So yeah. like we say, we love you guys. So thank you. Listener question? Yeah. We'll do one listener question. I'm going to get a joke. I think I'm going to laugh out loud joke. We can do our song choices kids. too. We'll yeah, do we listener do. questions and then we'll just do one listener question and then song choice. Okay. How does that sound? Yep. Um, why did the credit card go to jail? Why? It was guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read another one. Yeah. What would we get if we threw all the books in the ocean? What? A tidal wave. I was going to say a red sea. I was going to say a good. red sea. Oh, okay. Because that's, well, that's good. good too. That yeah. would be a really good punchline, actually. Super easy listener question today. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Kurt. It just starts oh, Kurt. Oh, easy. Kurt. Perfectly easy. Do you, do you really wear lucky podcasting underwear? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I do. I have them on right now. That's um, funny. I do don't remember if I had them on in the very first episode, but it was around the first or second episode where I realized I was wearing these. They're gray. They're they're black and green, like checkered, like plaid uh, boxer briefs. Okay. No, That's boxers. They're actually boxers? just boxers. Yeah. Um, so you've worn them every single episode? Yes. But I don't wear them when we're not recording. It's not oh, like funny. I wear them all the time, but they're like, you know, it's almost like a superstition thing. Like, okay. you know. But it's been, what, five years? Yeah, well, five seasons. I think maybe the first se- year we did two seasons in one yeah. year, but yeah. yeah. But I think I mean, we started so, in 2017. It scares me to think of them wearing out, but that's why the only time, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's not like I, I take them out of like a box, like an open, like a, the Ark of the Covenant, and I take <laughs> these out and there's Angelic Choir. You keep them in a glass box like <laughs> the doll Annabelle. <laughs> exactly. But no, I just only wear them during the podcast, but it's kind of like a good luck thing mm. now because we've had good luck while I've been wearing them, so... Well, you better take good care of those underwear. I am taking as much care of them as I can. Okay. They're taking care of us. Good times. So, you know, maybe it'll be in the Smithsonian one day. You can <laughs> you can touch them. I don't know. So, yeah, thank you for the question. But, yeah, I really am. That's awesome. I really am. Uh, our song choice, which was originally, but we won't say what it was originally. Because we'll, we'll save do that, that for another yeah, one. Yeah, Chris and I were going to do a different topic. And but I we, forgot. And then we got here, and it's like, this was kind of a more difficult one. So let's just do... The next one I saw on that checkerboard of song thing, the 30 song day challenge or whatever, was name a song that you fell in love with within the last three months. Are we going to run out? Oh, no. There's, there's, I look, I did a Google search and there's tons of these. Okay. Okay. So we'll never run out. But for today, we are doing a song you fell in love with within the last three months. Am I going first? Yes, because I'm looking at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so when I'm at work, I listen to Pandora and I, I'll put on like, um, I'll pick a band. And then, of course, if you listen to Pandora, it gives you other groups that are sort of similar in music. And I think this is the, I hope I say this right, Bon Iver. It's the, they're yeah, Bon Iver. Bon, bon Iver. Iver. I always pronounce it Bon Iver, I, I, but I really I always have no see idea. stuff about them, but I, never... I love them. They're the music I listen to when it's raining or foggy. <laughs> yeah. Like it's dark, kind of moody music, if I would say that. And that's not even the band I'm talking about. That's the station I was listening to, though. 
And this artist keeps coming up and I keep finding myself liking it. So I get more of his music. Yeah. So the artist is Bob Moses. I had never heard of him before. It's like kind of a chill music. I can't really explain it. But the song that I, that made me want to download some of his albums on Amazon music is the only thing we know. It's a really good song. And some of the lyrics are like, um, it opens up like, if you don't lead me, who will I follow? If you don't see me, I guess I'm a shadow. Like it, it's just like, Sounds I don't know. Sounds like something I would like. Yeah, you would. I think you will really like this song. Yeah. Um, but it's called The Only Thing We Know. It's sort of this slow kind of, I don't know, moody and you listen and did you buy it or did you buy song. it or just listen to it a lot? No, I downloaded the oh. I have Amazon yep. Prime Music. Yeah. So a lot this is the free version, but I That's downloaded. what I use too because I I have you know my my a L E X A. I don't want to say oh. it because I don't want people <laughs> trigger anyone. Trigger anyone. Yeah. But that's what I, I, a lot of mornings, instead of like turning on the TV, I'll oh, say you turn play. That on? You know, I have my certain channels on there, like Yacht Rock, my 70s, 70s Yacht, <laughs> Yacht Rock, Rock that I love. But I have other channels too. Yeah, I really like it. I used to do like the paid monthly one that was like eight bucks a month. And do you, you ever, could download anything. Do you ever watch that YouTube channel, that lo fi channel? I watch those all the time. The one with the girl studying at the window well, I don't where, watch she's, them, but... where she's writing, like the anime girl mm-hmm. that's writing, and it's just like on a loop. Yeah. Like, that to I me, love those. that to me is like one of the most relaxing. Like if you've never watched those, put that on as background music, and yeah. it's just perfect. I've actually bought some CDs from artists, and it's just like instrumental, yep. like slow instrumental, like like jazzy. It's great background music. I literally listen to that when I'm doing homework. It is. Um, I'm actually gonna probably post two for this day because now that I have that in my head, there's that <laughs> one. There's one called. Uh, it's a. I can't even think of what their blue oct. Not it's something October blue mm-hmm. something, but it's it's not blue October. <laughs> no, it's not blue October. Um, There's so many of those out there, there too. Are, but it was I think blue something. But it was just a song that played on there, and I was sitting there doing research for this, and it was playing, and I'm like, this is so good and yeah. relaxing. So I'll maybe do that one. I'll too. I'll play it when I'm like cooking dinner yeah. and when we're eating yep. dinner. Yeah, and it's, it's just, so nice. Yeah, it's good music. But my song, I'm gonna go with. Uh, this I generally never click on YouTube suggestions. Mm. You know, I they always, always have suggested stuff. They always suggest stuff for me, and I'm like, no, no, I don't want it. I don't care. <laughs> but for some reason, one day I clicked on this one, and this is like a newer artist. Okay. And I clicked on it, and I was like, this is really good. And it's kind of hard to explain what his music is like because it's kind of. Some people compare it to Angels and Airwaves, which is another band I like. That Tom DeLonge, who is into UFOs and all mm-hmm. that stuff, was you know one of the guys from Blink One Eighty Two. It's his yeah. side project band, which is okay. kind of like spacey, like pop punk rock kind of. But a lot of people compare it to this. But the, I listened to this. I just randomly clicked on this one they suggested, and I was like, I was like, this is really good. And I'm going with another because I bought the CD. I bought his album on Amazon, and I really like it. So I'm going with the first song on the album. So the artist is Kenny Hoopla. Never heard of him before until mm-hmm. I, I clicked on that video, but I just love it. So the artist is Kenny Hoopla and the song is called Silence is Also an Answer. Mm. And it's like a pop punk. It's just really good. Like I I, I had it blaring in my car on the way down here and, and had it on repeat. So I was listening to it over and over. So that is my song. Silence is Also an Answer by Kenny Hoopla. All right. We will post those in the group. The Facebook page. And is that it? I think so. We still have to record our, our side <laughs> session. Episode. It's only 8.30 though, okay. so we're ahead we're of schedule. We are good. Yeah, we are recording a side session right now. Well, not right now. Soon. 
<laughs> about something near and dear to my heart. Ooh, I'm excited. You know what it's going to be? I you... think I know what it's going to be. <laughs> so, Ooh, I'm jazzed now. What do you think it's going to be? Uh, Dazed and Confused? No. Oh, that is coming, okay. That's okay. coming soon. All right. Then I don't know. What else is near and dear to my heart? Little Mermaid? No. What do I obsess over? <laughs> what do you obsess over? Well, <laughs> what don't you obsess over? <laughs> Food. Oh, so it's just an episode about food? Just or an episode about something food? something foodish. Okay. So we're going to record that right after this. And I, like I was saying before we started, people that listen, like get the unedited, will hear me talking about it before the episode, I think. But this is, I'm blaming this side sessions on my diet oh, going gotcha. off whack this week because okay. I went somewhere four days in a row Ooh, for dang. lunch. Okay. Yeah. okay. So, yeah. So we're going to record that now. So other than that... We I love how you back. always look around the table like there's like, something laying out like here it, that you're there forgetting. Be something significant. I always do. Episode. I always do look around the table like I'm. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm looking for. Anyway, <laughs> maybe another thunder salt. Oh thing. God, no! I'm not even gonna have Jim try one of those. That would be cruel. I love him, and I don't want to do that to him. If it was licorice flavored, I could handle that. But I that didn't was taste not any licorice. I, did, I just tasted like evil. I mean, that was all I tasted. <laughs> and there was pure evil. Tasted like devil. So anyway, from from the strange cellar. We love you guys. We do. And until next time, stay stay strange. strange.